Hi, yes, friends. On a Friday, it's OGP, the One Giant Podcast. We are your hosts at Adam Marbrecht, at Andy Mack, breaking it down, talking about that big game coming up on Sunday. But also, Andy, a very important little piece of information when we talk about the New York football giants, because we're going to come back in next week. We'll break down additional coaches that have been hired. They fleshed out a lot of guys on this roster, but there's one in particular that it just feels like worth focusing in on. One Andre Patterson, he's going to be joining the New York football giants coaching staff. Andy, just how are you healthy, wealthy and wise? And then I want to get right to what might be the most charge you up and feel good clip that you could possibly have. I mean, once, you know, not to to bury the lead here, Adam, but as you said, Andre Patterson, it, it feels like his signing is a microcosm of exactly what the Giants have done this offseason by bringing in like competent, well-respected coaches. And every time someone gets hired, you know, the, you know, scouts and GMs and anonymous people across the board are like, that was a great hire. Like that guy's amazing. And you can see just on Twitter, it's not just Giant fans that are excited. Like media people, beat writers, scouts from other teams are like, the Giants got this right. Like they're doing this the right way. And I think, you know, we're, we're going to talk about Andre Patterson in, in, in a second. You know, he was 2014 uh, Minnesota Vikings defensive line coach for many years, then became the co-defensive coordinator there. And, you know, well-respected under Mike Zimmer. Everybody loved this guy. And he jumps to be the, the defensive line coach at the Giants. And man, if you haven't heard his name, you're about to have a new favorite coach on the coaching staff, right? Absolutely incredible. He was asked at one point around uh, if there's a level of frustration or if you get you know angry with players when they cannot do what you're asking them to do. And this was his response. Clip comes in with the back end of the question from the media member. So, where you know they can play? No. I'm a teacher, right? If you were my math student and you had a, 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 a hard time with a problem, I'm not going to get frustrated with you. I'm going to go pull up that chair. I'm going to sit right next to you and teach you how to handle that problem. That's how I see coaching. Okay. The guy's not making a mistake on purpose. He's trying to do the best he can do. Well, maybe I haven't given him the right trigger word to get the light to come on. Maybe I haven't given him enough reps to get the light to come on. That's my job. That's what they pay me to do. But for me to get frustrated, okay, I'm, I'm not doing the best job I can for that player. They're not trying to make a mistake. They're not trying to do wrong. They're trying to do the best they can. But sometimes we haven't put them in the position or we haven't explained it in a way or given them enough reps to where they can go out and execute it at a high level. That's what we're trying to do. I don't know how you don't come away from that. I mean, there's a lot of, there's, there's a couple of different like levels to it. I'm not going to like, you know, over grandize this, but I don't know how you don't come away from that feeling like here is a coach and in stark contrast, you know, to what we heard from Joe judge in the last couple of years, right? This is a coach that feels like he has an incredible level of self-awareness of what his responsibility is. And also an awareness of, of what the players are trying to accomplish. No player comes in looking to not do the thing you want them to do. But there's several steps in that process, and it just sounds like Andre Patterson gets what it means to be a football coach, and then, as he said, more importantly, what it means to be a teacher of these players inside of a system. You know, it, it's it's interesting because you see this across the whole coaching staff. That clip is just amazing. If you see the the video of it, you can hop on the Twitter, see the video. Yeah. It's even better just watching him do this at a podium. But again, he is a small microcosm of what the Giants as an organization have done this offseason. And, and the, the reason why I say that is because Brian, you know, 
the Giants didn't have any links to Joe Shane, right? And then Brian Dayball comes in as a head coach. He doesn't have any connections to Mike Kafka. He doesn't have any connections to Wink Martindale. He doesn't have any connections to Andre Patterson. The, the way that the Giants have done things historically is like, oh, I know this guy. Uh, this is a friend of a friend. No, the Giants went and said, who's the most well-respected? Who's the brightest mind or who's the up-and-coming mind? Who is an established veteran that, that just gets it, that can write the ship? And they put all these pieces to the puzzle together. And that clip from Andre Patterson, he's our defensive line coach. And I, I listen to that and I'm like, okay, well, the the D line is good. Like I don't have to worry about that unit right under Wink Martindale. So, well, you know, it's funny too. And again, cause he'll be, as I said, underneath Wink Martindale there, it, the other part of it is like, let's apply it to what the giants have, what the personnel is going to be. And it's not a knock on Patrick Graham. We liked him or the coaching staff, but the quick footnote, again, trying to look too much in the rear view, but Joe judge talked about wanting to bring in a lot of great minds and a lot of great teachers. But as we recall, he also brought in, you know, 12 more coaches than anyone else in the league. And it was a lot of people talking and conversing. This feels like, to your point, that the Giants are now saying, here's a guy that has a lot of experience at this position. Let's bring him in here. Let's let him execute his version of getting these guys where, to where they need to be. Specifically on the defensive line, when you look at it, and just, we'll focus in on the two right now, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, right? I mean, Leonard Williams is obviously an established veteran player, but I wonder how they will look to utilize him and maybe how you maximize what we think Leonard Williams value is on a possession to possession basis. Likewise for Dexter Lawrence, he's a guy that is just about to hit that third year mark, right? Second year is supposed to be when you really start to show it, but this is a pivotal year for him. It could be a pivotal year for the giants defense. I'll be curious to see what does Andre Patterson unlock from Dexter Lawrence so that he becomes an even more dangerous threat. When we see the physicality of his, we see what his build is. Now you want to see him do it with consistency. And that's something that I think you can, you can coach, right? You can coach execution on a consistent level down to down, not maybe an up and down flow, which we saw from the giants over the last, not just two years, last four years, last five years, right? Good, good second down. Where was everybody on third down, right? Good first down. What happened on fourth down? Just all of those things never seem to be in sync. And again, I'm not overstating it that Andre Patterson now is going to solve all the problems for the Giants and you know it's all going to be great. But I feel I feel a heck of a lot more confident having him there under Wink Martindale than I did with whatever these versions were happening over the last couple of years underneath Joe Judge. Yeah, and, and just one more small footnote on Andre Patterson just because we're, we're highlighting him. Um, you know, obviously came in in 2014 with the Vikings. They've had some great defensive line players. They've had some great edge rushers. They, they, they've been solid at that position. You know, Everson Griffin came in before yeah. um, Andre Patterson was there, but obviously he had his most successful years with, with Andre Patterson as his defensive line coach. You know, the year after Andre Patterson takes over as defensive line coach, they draft Danielle Hunter out of LSU in the third round, who seemed to be like a little bit of a project. He flourished and made Pro Bowls, right? Like he's been, mm -hmm. he's been amazing. You know, I think he was injured, dinged up last year, but that's the type of coach that you have. Seems like an adult gets it. Not going to be, it, it's not going to be all grandeur and, and, and bloviating and, and hooting and hollering from a guy like him. He's like, I got to get to work and I got to make these players better. You have to be happy about that approach. Well, and by the way, because the other footnote that I want to get to here before we focus in on that that big that big pot on Sunday, right? The uh, the excellent dish. We can you know if you can't use those terms. Um, I never lost sleep last night. It's fine. Um, 
is Wink Martindale. And we talked about, right, what is the sideline going to look like? And, you know, is one of the Ryan brothers going to be in there, on there? And a lot of anger, a lot of visuals, a lot of whatever. But then underneath him, you have an educator, you have a teacher, right? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting that past Wink Martindale as being a part of what his process is, but it's nice to then create these layers where you say, Hey, it's going to be a hard nosed. This is the expectation at the top on the defensive side of the ball. And then underneath them are going to be all these position coaches that are saying, how do we get to where this guy wants us to be? Let's walk through these steps together and get there. And there, there, uh, I want to go back to you, but there's one more uh, footnote just on Wink Martindale. Someone over on YouTube was asking like the difference of, Wink Martindale versus other guys that have kind of come out from underneath the Rex Ryan tree, so to speak. And, and Martindale really has his own path, though, in the NFL. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Wink Martindale ha- completely has his own path. And, but that's the point of, of this whole thing that I was saying before, Adam, is like none of these guys have all worked together where it's like the the good old gentleman's club or they like have handshake agreements to hire each other. We went out and got the best of the best across the board, media, beat writers. Everyone says they are happy about what the Giants are doing. I think the Andre Patterson clip is the perfect illustration of like, wow, this is going to be completely different than what we had, say, six weeks ago. Yeah, of course. So uh, the other thing on just on Wink Martindale uh, quickly here, because we talked about him yesterday, uh, but we didn't get into the fact that he was with Baltimore most recently, as we know. But then prior to that, in 2009, he spent it with uh, the Denver Broncos as a linebacker coach and was promoted to defensive coordinator in 2010. So had a couple of years there. And then from 04 to 08, he was out there with the Oakland Raiders uh, under under the consideration for that job of the coordinator position, but never got that there over the course of time. So but I, I think, you know, it's funny if you think Raiders and then the Broncos and then to the Ravens, Wink Martindale's theme has always been th- those are fast playing hard-nosed defenses, right? Like, that's the mentality that you're bringing to this team, and we highlighted it on, on the last episode, too. Do you do you think that down to all the way down to Andre Patterson on the defensive line, how quickly do you think this transformation will happen for this defense under Wink Martindale, right? Because we've talked about personnel. We'll get into it more as the offseason moves along and who they could target if they can create cap room, but how quickly can they get the guys in place that all of these, what we consider to be excellent coaching hires can really take and maximize the value of. Okay. So listen, I've been thinking about this a lot, Adam, and I'll keep it, I'll keep it relatively short because there's going to be a long off season to talk about this. You talk, you know, during COVID time, the rosters have expanded to 54 or 55, but it's usually like a 53 man roster is, is what you go into game day with. So when you think about what the giants are about to do, right, they're, they're going to let a, a few players go sign elsewhere. A guy like Jabril peppers comes to mind where he's probably going to price himself out of coming back to the giants. The giants have, I think it's like eight draft picks, maybe nine in this upcoming yeah, draft. Yeah. yeah. So like, that's like at least six quality guys that are going to make the roster and a couple of back end guys that you hope maybe practice squad or push through and make it talk about six or seven guys, seven guys through the draft of 53. Like you're talking about more than an eighth of the roster is going to be overhauled this mm-hmm. draft. Then on top of that, he probably is going to sign two, three, four free agents. They may not be high priced ones, but they may be ones that fit whatever Brian Dable wants to do. Mike Kafka, you know, Wink Martindale. So if you say another four. So if we're going to say conservatively, there's maybe 12, 13 new guys on this, on this roster, you're talking about like a fifth of the roster. That's 20% of the guys that were that were in here are going to be on this roster. How quickly can you turn this around? The question is like, does this roster need 80% overhaul or does it need a 20% overhaul? And that's really the, the answer that I think we're going to find out pretty quickly. But that's why the NFL, it's very like the 
the division winners in, in the NFC East have always like flip flop for the last 20 years because you can change things very quickly. A couple of hits in, in the draft, a couple of shrewd signings, and you're there. It's not like the NBA where if you don't have a star, like you're the Washington Wizards, you're going to be in purgatory forever. You can turn this around pretty quickly with one good free agency class. No, it's actually a really good perspective when you talk about even just through the draft. Now, however many of those players go to the defensive side of the ball and then some free agents. But if you pick up even just six or seven guys specifically on the defensive side of the ball until whatever level and wherever they're going to fit in, but those seven players, right? If it's Wink Martindale's influence that that acquires the talent that fits the needs he thinks that they have there, okay. So at a half of that roster, you're talking about 25, 30% of the defensive side of the ball could be rolled over here immediately. And at least you hope that it starts to instill what you need to do. Now, the high-level guys, that's the interesting one. And again, before we turn over to the, to the game on Sunday, that's what made it interesting when they hired Wink Martindale. I think it does shift, at least or for us anyway, <clears throat> excuse me, the mentality of the draft class. Because if Wink Martindale wants to at least have one or two key high-level guys that fit what he wants to accomplish, you have to consider doing those things, whether one of the two top picks right early in the second round, you have to be willing to spend maybe some draft capital higher up if you want to bring in a key player that fits there and have a young talent on a rookie deal, et cetera. So that may shift a little bit from my perspective from when it was you know, going to be Patrick Graham again, and you can kind of hold Pat and wait and see what happens. That being the case, though, we have days, nay, weeks to sort all that stuff out, and we will start to do that. In the meantime, though, Andy, we'll throw it up over on social media, the standings of our host battle, because I fought my way back. And essentially, it comes down to this one game, the only game that matters, Cincinnati Bengals out there, virtually a home game for the L.A. Rams uh, in the big one. Where, where do we stand here on the line? I think it opened up at four and a half, if I'm not mistaken, going for the Bengals. It got up to five for a minute. Is it trending? Where, where are we trending? Give us the line. We know that I am not the host that knows what's going on. So right now the line is sitting at four. Um, and, the, and the reason why it's sitting at four is because every time Vegas moves it to four and a half, there's a shrewd, sharp better in Vegas that keeps putting a half a million dollars down on the Rams and forces the books to push it back down to four. It's happened twice so far in Vegas. Like I was reading this article about it. So anytime they move it up, he's like, yep, give me a half a mil on that. And they're like, okay, we cannot do that anymore. Cause we have too much liability. So the line is at plus four, the over under is at four and a half. And man, this is, this is a big one, Adam. Uh, obviously it's, it's the last game of the season. Uh, do you want me to give my pick or do you want to give your pick? I, I, I don't, uh, we didn't talk about this before the show, so I don't know which way you're planning on going. I'll give my pick first because I've been, maybe I've been writing a little bit of a hotter hand of late. I don't want it to be that I hedge my bets to try to get the win, right? All that good stuff. Uh, it's tricky. Here's what happened for me, right? If you all recall, I took the, I took the Raiders and the points in the, in the original start of the wild card, super wild card weekend against the Bengals. And then after that, I've taken the Bengals consecutive times to get me to this wonderful point. Uh, listen, man, I think that you listen to the way people talk about this. The Rams haven't been perfect in the postseason, and yet they have all of the talent and the pieces to make this an absolutely disastrous game for the Bengals, as good as it, their run has been. If this defense just starts clicking and really gets Burrow off his spot. I got to tell you guys, it's, it's been a good morning so far. <laughs> Edit that most. Um it's going to be interesting to see. And then all the weapons that they have, right? The Bengals defense is opportunistic, but not great. Can they do that again? I don't know. And yet I believe in Joe Burrow. 
gosh darn it that kid's got something uh you know listen we we talk about we talk about you giving your take i'm taking the bangles but i'm i'm gonna choke on something <laughs> tell me where you're going i'm taking the i'm taking the bangles and the points i'll explain more later you you sound really confident in that in that pick. I mean, look, look at you could barely even muster out like Joe Burrow before you were cho- having a choking hazard over there. Um, so so listen, I am with you on as a fan of watching this game. Who would I want to win? It's it's a no brainer. It's the Bengals. The story is great. Joe cool like Joe Burrow is awesome. What's not to like about him? The guy's got swag, but it's like it's not like cocky it's just confident and it just everyone on the team loves him I would love to see the Bengals win this game like second year quarterback coming off a a terrible knee injury like it's I will be rooting for the Bengals in this game however yeah it feels front runner it it, I will be putting a hefty parlay on on the Bengals and some (laughs) funny things to happen but realistically I'm taking the Rams in this game the reason why I'm taking it is is a couple simple things one is, look at the offensive line for the Bengals. They gave up, what, nine sacks to the Titans? And Joe Burrow was just game. getting – Yeah, well, because Ryan <laughs> Tannehill was the quarterback on the other end. First play of the game, throws a, throws a pick in like on a silver platter, right? Last play of the game for him, throws a pick. Um, you know, you look at you look at the pass rush of Aaron Donald and, and, and others, uh, Von Miller for, for the Rams. I think that offensive line is going to be in trouble. You look at Jamar Chase – being covered by Jalen Ramsey. That is a alpha versus alpha matchup. And I think it, it puts an importance on guys like T Higgins and Tyler Boyd to yep. be able to really do something to, to help Joe Burrow out. Um, but to be honest with you, you know, the Bengals feel like they kind of like lucked their way into this game, right? Like they, they were down 21, three on the road at Arrowhead. And like the chiefs like self-destructed and melted down on their own. And like the, the, the yeah, Raiders had the ball first and, Maybe it'll self-destruct and melt down a little bit. Uh, well, I know. And, and you, you have the Raiders who, like you said, you picked. They had first and goal to be able to score and either tie or go for the win against the Bengals in the first game. So, like, it hasn't really been easy for, for the Bengals to get here. And that really, really – that defense worries me a little bit against all the weapons the Rams have. Of course it does. There's no reason for it not to. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm just going to go – I'm going to go with you. Go with the gal that brought the gotcha here, right? And, and, and you know, I'll tell you what, though. Feels a lot like once upon a time, Eli Manning, New York football giants, a team of destiny, a team that you look back at and you go, were they supposed to win any of those games? Yeah, they were nine, seven. Like they're just eking in. People didn't know what they were supposed to make of them. It's like, oh, you won your first game, luckily, and then squeak by. They weren't supposed to win like at the Green Bay Packers. They weren't supposed to win the game going to Lambeau like. There, there is a little shades of, of that situation going on, Adam. And maybe only the fact that they don't have a great offensive line like the Giants did at the time or an incredible defensive front like the Giants had at the time. These are small differences, people. We don't need to focus in on that. In spite of the fact that I got incredibly emotional about making that selection, um, it, I'm hoping I'm, what I'm really hoping for is that it's a good game because if competitive you competitive game, that's it, right? If you go on, you know, the, 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 the swings of this spectrum, right? The, the, bad side of it is the Rams have all this talent. They acquired all these guys. It's Matthew Stafford, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's 21 to three midway through the second quarter. And it just feels like it's a nothing burger. And I don't think that that's going to be the way this plays out. Even if the Rams end up winning by, you know, 10 to 14 points, I think it's going to be a good game most of the way through, but that's what you hate. Like this, it's, it's the cap off to the entire NFL season. It's this culmination 
of what all these teams and players have gone through. All you want is it to be an exciting game like those giant Super Bowls where you feel like you're hanging on every single play. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, Adam, the, the simple, the simple thing for me is when you don't have a horse in the race, you just want excitement, tension, pressure, and someone to make a play at the end. The last thing we want is like a 41, 14 game where it's halftime. You're like, man, I still got nachos in the oven. Like now, now I'm not even excited about them. Like I want to be able to like put the wings in front of me second half and be like, we're in for a doozy. The only time that I'll take to 41-14, and obviously if it's the Bengals. Now, obviously, that's, that I'm totally for that. We will uh, be back in after the game. We'll break it down. We'll start to turn ourselves over. I think we'll take a little bit of a loose approach to the start of next week. There's been so much information and great stuff to talk about when it comes to New York football giants. We'll get to that. But let's come out of this big game, have some fun off of it. Hopefully, everybody has a great time, whatever you're doing. Hopefully, the nachos are delicious. And as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.